Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, February the 24th, 2023. It is currently 10.01 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, it's 10.01 p.m. Central Time, and I'm sitting here in my studio, and all I can think is, wait, what happened to my day? What, what, what happened? Nothing quite went as planned. Everything kind of took these turns that I wasn't expecting, and here I sit, and I'm thinking, well, what, what happened what happened to my day? And and this happened and this happened. And, and I could sit here and just look back and go, well, I should have said this or shouldn't have said this. And this happened. And I and I wish this and I wish that. And, and oh, I, I, I should have gotten this. And it, there, there's just, isn't that life just in general? There's always these twists and turns and things don't go the way you planned. And you have good things and bad things. And you have good emotions and bad emotions. And, and you just you just live your life every single day. And I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes you look back and you realize, man, that I, I just spent an entire 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours focused on everything other than what I should focus on. Do, do you ever feel that way ever? Maybe just once? Never, never. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm only talking to myself, but that happens a lot. I just start, I just get preoccupied with so many different things and, and lose focus, which is kind of interesting since I host a podcast series called Today's Focus, where I try to give us something to focus on. But if you noticed, there wasn't a Today's Focus episode, was there? No, because I wasn't focused. So when you get to the end of your day and you kind of realize everything didn't quite go your way, and maybe you weren't really focused on the spiritual things, the word of God, the things of God, what do you do? Do you just get to the end of the day and go, well, there's tomorrow? Or do you go, you know what? I still have time left. The day is not over. I'm still awake. I'm still, and grab, just try to reach and grab something and say, I'm going to grab something Folk, folk, you know, turn my attention on what it's supposed to be, even if it's only for a few minutes. I think that's, I mean, I, I know that sometimes we have this tendency, well, you know, I only have a few minutes and I'm not really going to be that focused. And I'm t- and we start making all of these excuses, but instead of making excuses, why don't we just like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to reach in and grab this right now. So I'm going to try to grab this right now and focus in on something before this day is over, because before I know it, February the 24th, 2023, will be over. In fact, in less than two hours, February the 24th, 2023, will be gone. Now, on in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, would it really matter? Well, I mean, come on, let's just be honest. In the big scheme, in the big picture, would it really matter if I spent, if I just decided, you know what, I'm going to spend the next two hours doing whatever I'm going to. I don't know, get a snack, watch something on television, listen to music, just anything, and not focus on anything related to scripture or God or anything like that. I mean, would it really matter? And the big picture, in the big scheme, it really wouldn't matter. It would, it would probably just feel insignificant, and, it would, and I would just get up tomorrow and start my day. But at the same time, I, I don't want to think that way, because I think every time I can try to put my attention where it belongs, 
that is significant. I, I, I hope there's a lesson somewhere in there. All I'm saying is whatever you have left, whatever you can grab in, in any moment of the day to turn your focus on Scripture and the things of God, do so not out of a legalistic obligation, not out, out of I have to, or I've got to do this to prove to someone that I'm a Christian. No, just because, well, that's where I think your focus, I think, I think when your focus is on that, everything else seems to make some kind of sense to some level, right? I just, I think that, you know, put it this way. Let me, let me state it this way. Whatever you can do to grab whatever time you can from, from, for every single day, whatever time you can grab within every single day to focus on the things of God, I think it's, I think you should desire that and want that because you are focusing on your creator and on your redeemer. So I, I, I hope there's at least a desire to do so and that you want to do it, right? Not out of a legalistic obligation, but because you want to. There's a desire. There's a love. There's, there's something there. I, I, I hope that that is the case. But I, I kind of was alluding to this. I also think as much uncertainty as there is in life, right? There's so, just in life, there's, you, sometimes it, life makes absolutely no sense, right? It's just like, wait, why is this happening? Well, what about this? What about this? And ups and downs and concerns. And it's just so much uncertainty and, and so much just instability, uncertainty, instability in life. I think then by taking that time to focus on something spiritual, something from the word of God, you can grab onto something more concrete. Now, I know in some ways when I say that, I understand that when you're dealing with the Bible, there's a lot of uncertainty. I understand that. But I'm saying you're at least grabbing onto something. When, when you grab onto this, we'll put it this way. Life is uncertain, right? Life is fragile. Life is passing uh, there, there's, there's so much uncertainty to life, but when you reach out and grab those things of God, even if we don't understand everything about the Bible and there's so much confusion and disagreement, we're still grabbing onto something that is the ultimate reality, something that is tangible, tangible, something that is objective and tangible in the sense that it is, it is the creator of the universe. It's God. It's his word. We were grabbing onto something that is, as much confusion as there may be about it, it's far more certain it's far more real sometimes than what we even see around us because what we see around us is, is so impacted by our emotions and our feelings and our own flawed perceptions. And I know when we look to the things of God, our own flawed perceptions come into play there, but we're still grabbing to the ultimate reality. God is the ultimate reality. He is the author and the finisher. He is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the redeemer. All Everything finds its origin in God and everything will find its conclusion with God, right? I, I, I think that that is maybe a good way to state it. So no matter what's going on in your day, grab that time to focus on the things of God and realize that, li that, that you want to focus on the things of God because of just how confusing and uncertain life is. I hope that makes some sense this evening. So I'm trying to do that. Try to set aside all of the ups and downs of the day and say, you know what? I'm going to grab onto something. 
So we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. And I hope that you find something in this, all right? Exodus chapter 34. And a lot of times during the day, I kind of just read the scriptures. And sometimes I don't say, hey, I give you like the time to open it. But it's, you know, after 10 p.m., there's maybe a greater chance you're sitting somewhere where you can open a Bible or at least look on your mobile device. But if you can, Exodus chapter 34, verse 20. And I saw this verse, I don't know at what time today. I saw it at some point, but I didn't, there was, I had too many other thoughts going on, so I didn't really give it much thought. And then as I saw that the day was slipping away, I'm like, you know what, let me, I don't know what else to turn to. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 34. So I'm going to read it. And then I found these amazing words written by Charles Spurgeon in regards to Exodus 34, 20. Here we go. Exodus 34, verse 20. But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou redeem him not, then shalt thou break his neck. All the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem, and none shall appear before me empty. Now, I'm reading that from the King James. Let me read it one more time. Exodus 34, 20. But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou redeem him not, thou shalt break his neck. That's Exodus 34, 20. I'm going to read it from a different translation. Exodus 34, 20. Exodus 34, 20. You may redeem the firstborn of a donkey with a sheep, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. I, that, I mean, those, those, that's a, I mean, yeah, you may read those words and I, I think some of you immediately know where to kind of take this spiritually. But if you read these words, maybe for the first time, you're kind of like, wait, what, what is happening here? Let me read it to you one more time. You may redeem the firstborn of a donkey with a sheep, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. So here's the firstborn of a sheep, right? Or firstborn of a donkey, I should say. Firstborn of a donkey. And it, and if you don't redeem it, you've got to break its neck and you have to redeem it with a sheep. Here's the firstborn of a donkey and you can redeem it and it has to be redeemed by with a sheep. But if you do not redeem it, that, I mean, it's so violent. Right? It's so, it's kind of horrifying. You snap its neck. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's, it's like, what, what is going on, right? You have to kind of sit back and go, what, what is happening? Again, I'm going to read it from the King James, but the firstling of an ass thou shall redeem with a lamb. And if thou redeem him not, thou shall break his neck. Now, I think if you, you take the words from the King James, I think then it's much easier to kind of see where this is pointing, right? You redeem it with a lamb. Now, there's no question when we start talking about a lamb, where it's going to take us, right? It's going to take us to, to the New Testament. It's going to take us to the New Testament, if I can speak correctly. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Immediately, you know that Jesus is spoken of as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb 
whose blood is shed for us. I mean, there is not even a, a question about that. That is clear in the New Testament. That that image from the Old Testament of the Lamb being slain, that's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That I mean, that is, there's no debate there. There's no question. So then it's the idea, here's a donkey, right? Now, if you're going to redeem it, it's going to be with a lamb. And if you don't redeem it, its neck is going to be broken. It has to be killed. It has to die. Now, if we think about a donkey, now this we may not have any, it may, the picture may not be as perfect for this. Clearly the lamb, we know that points to Jesus. That's, the, that's, that's definitely in the New Testament. No, he's the Passover lamb. He's our Passover. He's the lamb of God. who take, we, There's no question about that. We can demonstrate that. The donkey part, I don't know, I don't think we can literally go, hey, here's a verse that would clearly indicate what that, what's that, what, what that is picturing. But you have to at least feel like, wait, wait a minute, okay? Typically we see, typically we view a donkey, whether accurate or inaccurate, we typically view a donkey as stubborn, stiff-necked, kind of rebellious, will only do what it wants to do, right? We'll kind of fight for its own way. It's kind of the way we understand it, right? Stubborn as a donkey, right? We, we've, that phrase is used for some reason. I have never raised donkeys or been around them for any amount of time to know how accurate that may be, but clearly that picture is there. So this donkey, if it's not redeemed by a lamb, its neck has to be broken, the lamb, Jesus, us, in a sense, the donkey, and if we're not redeemed by the lamb, then in a sense, our neck is to be broken. We have to die. Now, Charles Hazen Spurgeon obviously was thinking the same way because he wrote the following words. He called this, that unclean donkey is yourself. That unclean donkey is is yourself. That's how, what he entitled this. And let me just read it. It's not long, but I think it's, it's pretty powerful. First, he quotes, you must redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb, but if you do not redeem it, you must kill the donkey by breaking its neck. Exodus 34, 20. Every firstborn creature must be the Lord's. But since the donkey was unclean, it could not be presented in sacrifice to him. What then? Should it be allowed to go free from the universal law? By no means. God admits of no exceptions. The donkey is his due, but he will not accept it. He will not abate the claim, but yet he cannot be pleased with the unclean victim. No way of escape remained but redemption. The donkey must be saved by the substitution of a lamb in its place, or if it's not redeemed... It must die. Now, if a donkey is an unclean animal, cannot then save itself, cannot die for it, it can't do anything to redeem itself. It, it's unclean. God cannot accept it. Well, that would be a perfect picture of us. We're unclean. We can't do anything to save ourselves. We can't do, we, there's nothing we can do to satisfy a holy God because we are unclean in our very nature. 
Forget our action. We're unclean in our nature. Remember, we do unclean actions because we're unclean inside. That's where the problem is. But God doesn't make an exception. His law says, be ye holy, be ye perfect, and we're unclean. So our only hope is a substitute. Our only hope is redemption. Now, here's what Spurgeon says. My soul, here is a lesson for you. That unclean donkey is yourself. You are justly the property of the Lord who made you and preserves you. But you are so sinful that God will not, cannot accept you. It has come to this. The Lamb of God must stand in your stead or you must die eternally. Let all the world know of your gratitude to that spotless lamb who has died for you and so redeemed you from the fatal curse of the law. Must it not sometimes have been a question with the Israelite as to which should die, the donkey or the lamb? Would not the man pause to estimate and compare the value of these animals? Assuredly, there was no comparison between the value of a sinful man and the spotless Lord Jesus. Yet the lamb dies and the man, the donkey, is spared. Now, I think it's probably true that at some point somewhere in the history of Israel, someone would have been like, well, I mean, do we do we want the donkey or do we want the lamb? I mean, which one has more value? What do we need right now? Hey, guys, do we need a donkey or a lamb? Because if we, let's just, we're going to kill the lamb because we need, oh, no, let's just go ahead and kill the donkey. Like that, that someone may have looked at it in a very carnal way. But when it comes to us, there's no comparison. There's the eternal son of God, the holy lamb of God who is without sin. He dies so that me, the donkey who's unclean in my thoughts, words, and deeds and actions, I get to go free. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's hard to comprehend. My soul, admire the boundless love of God to you. Vile worms are brought, or I'm sorry, vile worms are bought with the blood of the Holy Lamb of God. Dust and ashes are redeemed with a price far above silver and gold. What a doom would have been mine had not plenteous redemption been found. Let me read that again. My soul, admire the boundless love of God to you. Vile worms are bought with the blood of the Holy Lamb of God. Dust and ashes are redeemed with a price far above silver and gold. What a doom would have been mine had not plenteous redemption been found. The breaking of the neck of the donkey was but a momentary penalty. But who shall measure the eternal wrath to come to which no limit can be imagined? How great, how valuable is the glorious lamb who has redeemed me from such a doom. Those are the words of Charles Haddon Spurgeon and a thing he wrote entitled That Unclean Donkey is yourself. That unclean donkey is yourself. It, it's, it's an amazing verse. If you just think about it, it's an amazing verse. Let me read it again. But the firstling of an ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. But if thou redeem him not, then shall thou break his neck. 
In one sense, we belong to God because we are his creation, right? We, we all belong to God. We are his creation. But because we are sinful, he cannot accept it. We're, we're unclean. We're, we're the unclean animal. We're the unclean donkey. We cannot redeem ourselves. We cannot do anything. So the only way for us to have any hope or to be restored back to anything with God, there's going to have to be a substitute, and it's going to have to be perfect. It's going to have to be holy. It's going to have to be precious. It's going to have to be spotless. And that is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who shed his blood to redeem us. Now, two thoughts come to my mind today. One, there's about 257 billion things I don't understand about life. There, there are. There's about a billion things I don't understand. There's about a billion things I don't understand about myself. There's just so much. There is uncertainty. There's difficulty. There's confusion. There's, there's just, there's life. There's just life. And whenever that, I, whenever that happens, all you can do is find what we do know. And what I do know is that God sent his son, the precious lamb of God, to die to redeem me from my sin. I may not understand. There's a million things I may not understand in scripture. There's a million things I may not understand about theology. There's a million things I may not, I, there's, a, there's just so much I don't understand. The one thing I do know is that I am fallible and confused and I'm a sinner. That's what I do know. I, I do know that. I'm so many other things I don't know, but I do know this. I'm a sinner. I'm confused. And my only hope of certainty is found in what God has done in Jesus Christ, because that is certain. That is assured. Jesus was sent. He died. He was buried. He he rose the third day and ascended to the right hand of the father from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And it is in that sacrificial death, that substitutionary death that I can find hope because I am the unclean donkey, right? who deserves to have my neck broken and to suffer for all eternity, but I've been redeemed by a lamb. And I can grab, I can grab on to that and the uncertainty and confusion of life. That's something I can just grab on to, right? I mean, there's certain, I mean, there's a lot of things I don't know. I do know that obviously I'm a sinner. Nobody has to tell me that. Got that. Check. Got it. Got it. I know how unclean I am. Check. Got that. I know how fallible I am. Check. I got that. I know that I'm going to die. Check. I mean, there's certain things I do know. There's a million things I don't know, but there's some, but I do know this. My only hope of any true objective certainty is found in the word of God. And I can understand that Jesus was the lamb of God who came to die to save the world from its sin, to save people from their sins. I do know that. I do know know that. And the second thing I guess I take from this, there I, I find some sense of certainty, something I can grab onto. And I guess the second thing I take away from this tonight is what kind of gratitude should I have for such an amazing thought, an amazing truth, an amazing idea that the precious lamb of God was was killed, shed his blood to purchase vile me, to purchase dust, ashes, sin, fallibility, failure, but I was redeemed by that. Like that is, there's, there's got to be a gratitude that just kind of arises, arises from within you. There has to be. There has to be. There has to be. 
Let me read the scripture one more time. But the firstling of an ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou redeem him not, then shall thou break his neck. And I'm going to end one. Uh, I'm going. I wanted to read that, and I'll just go ahead to officially end. I'm going to read that last two comments. Two paragraphs from Spurgeon. My soul admire the boundless love of God to you. Vile worms are bought with the blood of the holy Lamb of God. Dust and ashes are redeemed with a price far above silver and gold. What a doom would have been mine had not plenteous redemption been found. The breaking of the neck of the donkey was but a momentary penalty. But who shall measure the eternal wrath to come to which no limit can be imagined? How dear, how great, how wonderful is the glorious lamb who has redeemed me from such a doom. Thank you for listening tonight to this kind of special late night episode of the Theology Central podcast where I attempted to grab onto something before this day was gone. Thank you for listening. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a good, good evening. God bless.